Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the BT Powerhouse podcast. Uh, I'm Thomas Bendit, uh, the manager of BT Powerhouse, I guess. Um, it is October 16th. Um, nice, crisp fall afternoon uh, up in Michigan, at least. Uh, excited. A lot of college football going on, but um, ready to, to keep the swing going into college basketball. Um, we'll be talking about Ohio State today. Uh, really interesting team, um, a lot of success under Thad Mata over the last few years. Um, and to help break it down, we have Matt Brown from uh, our sister website, uh, Land Grant Holy Land. Uh, Matt, how you doing today? Hey, Thomas. I, I thought I knew what it was like to be tired last season, but between having a <laughs> toddler and Pac-12 football, like I might be more energy drink than person at this point. But <laughs> I, uh, I'm, I'm I'm properly caffeinated, and I think I'm awake at this point. But if I uh, say anything that's incomprehensible gibberish, uh, that's my excuse to begin with. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, we uh, we're doing the uh, the rare morning podcast here, but uh, but it'll be fun. It'll be fun. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, excited to talk about some Ohio State basketball. Uh, Big Ten media day yesterday. I know everybody likes to do the narratives, the storylines. Um, what are your just general thoughts coming into this season for Ohio State? It's, it's, it really is kind of a strange season because this team is, is so completely unknown. It's, it's one of the more – it's the most inexperienced team that I can off the top of my head remember at Ohio State since I've been watching. It's one of the more inexperienced teams, I think, in the country. There's no seniors. There's just one upperclassman. There's only a handful of sophomores, and Ohio State is bringing in uh, uh, between like their projected you know nine ten man rotation, like six of them are going to be people who have never played college basketball at Ohio State before. So on one hand, it's, if you're an Ohio State fan, you're excited because a lot of the players have frustrated you over the past couple on. Almost everybody coming in is a four star recruit. This is the best recruiting class in the Big Ten. Uh, but on the other hand. It's all new, and most people haven't even watched tape of some of these new guys here. So the what, the the range of what could possibly happen is that more vast, I think, than in recent memory for Ohio State. So it's, it's tough to know what to expect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I you know it's it's really interesting because usually you know when you see a guy like D'Angelo Russell leave, and um, you know a lot of guys who they played a lot of minutes for Ohio State contributed a lot and you know they may have not have been all big 10 players but you know they've they've earned their keep in columbus and when you see all those you know numbers exiting your first thought is well this could be a rough year and then you see you know this is i mean at least from my perspective could this be a more talented team than last year well Maybe on the entire aggregate. I mean, there's, I don't mm-hmm. think there's anybody on this team that's even 80% or 80, you know, 80% as good as D'Angelo Russell was. Yeah, he was one mm-hmm. of the, the best players in college basketball. There's a reason he went so high in the lottery. 
um, there's a there's a ton of potential, and I you know I think that the front court already is probably more talented than it was last year. Um, there there are guys who have not played college basketball who I think as of right now are already more polished offensively uh, than Trey McDonald and, and Amir were last season. Um, their ceiling might be higher, but I don't think they're going to reach that ceiling this year. Um, but what they look like in March could be potentially a, a pretty dangerous team. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree, and um, should be an interesting season. So I guess let's uh, let's dive into the roster <laughs> here a little bit. Um, sure. Starting with the starting with the guards, uh, how do you see kind of this backcourt uh, shaking out? Uh, obviously, D'Angelo Russell, um, excellent player, All Big Ten, All Big Ten Freshman of the Year, uh, All American. Um, I don't know if anybody expected him to be that good last year, but obviously fantastic. Um, he's gone to the NBA. Uh, Shannon Scott uh, played a lot of minutes at Ohio State. I know seem to be kind of some mixed thoughts on him, but um, he's also gone. Um, how do you see the backcourt shaking out this year? Yeah, that's going to be one of the interesting questions on this team because right now there's only one true point guard on this roster. That's A.J. Harris. Um, somebody, a, a, probably he's the lowest regarded recruit of this class, but every report out of practice and from people who have seen him has been extremely complimentary. They say he's, he's crazy fast, got a great motor, very, very aggressive. The problem is that he's five foot nine. And he's, he's listed as 165 pounds, and that might be, like, dripping wet after eating a cheeseburger. Like, he's, he's, he's not a big guy. Um, I think he's going to play a lot, but I don't necessarily know if he's going to be someone who's going to play, like, 30, 35 minutes a night as Ohio State's lead guard, uh, especially because I, I think given the size of some of the front courts in this conference, uh, he, he'll just get swallowed up. So the most likely scenario, I think, is you're going to see Jaquan Lyle. He's the crown jewel of this recruiting class and kind of the closest thing to a D'Angelo apparent, even though their, their, their styles aren't exactly similar. He's a bigger combo guard. I think he's going to start at point, and, and we'll see a lot of the ball handling duties there. And you're probably going to see uh, redshirt sophomore Cam Williams, uh, at least in, in the beginning of the season, start as, as the number two. Um, he's one of the, the few guys that's an established player at all, meaning that he, he's played like one season. Um, but, but, but he has um, uh, some perimeter shooting ability and had really kind of grew his game a little bit last year. But so those, those two are, I, I think, the, who you're going to most likely see. A.J. Harris is definitely going to be in that rotation. You're going to see him a lot. And then there's you know there's a couple of other options of people that they might kind of you know go big or small. They they I, they could bring in. Mickey Mitchell, who's six seven as a ball handler, uh, to to go for to, to go big. They might bring in Austin Grandstaff, who's six four. He's a true freshman. He's the sharpshooter of that class. Uh, he's the kind of guy who I think needs to work on his body a little bit more. Will probably fall out of the rotation come Big Ten play, um, just because I don't know that he's able to get to the basket or has developed enough to be able to consistently get off his shot. Uh, but I, during the you know the kind of cupcake tour in November, I think I think you'll see him uh, playing and, and see here what he can do. So there's, there's a couple of different uh, people they can throw in there in that group, and they can go big or they can go small. But it's almost completely new names. Uh, so you know there, there's probably going to be some growing pains there. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely definitely in agreement there. Um, one one thing I did kind of want to ask about, and trying not to get too off topic here. Um, yeah. Uh, obviously, Jaquan Lyles had a little bit of a uh, uh, relation to the Louisville NCAA investigation. 
Um, do you want to take a second to just talk about uh, essentially what's going on with that? Because I know a lot of people are kind of unclear about it. <laughs> yeah. So, so from the best of our understanding is that in this book from uh, our Louisville escort friend, uh, Lyle is mentioned by name as somebody who had received services. And, you know, Lyle was originally a Louisville commit. Uh, he, he decommitted and went to Oregon and then <laughs> academically eligible, went to prep school and ended up here at Ohio State. Um, our under the Ohio State's uh, SID in the basketball department and the university has been very adamant that Lyle's uh, NCAA eligibility is not at risk. Uh, he cooperated with the NCAA. I suspect that they kind of had an agreement where if he, if he confirmed the allegations to the NCAA, they gave him immunity uh, to try and get him to talk. Um, mm-hmm. That that isn't confirmed, but I've seen I've seen Zag's blog tweet that, and, and that would that would make sense. Um, but he's kind of one of the people that's going to be a, a, you know, a principal voice in the bottom of whether the Louisville allegations are true. So I imagine he's not going to be the most popular person in Kentucky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that uh, that will probably definitely be true. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to clear that up. I know there, you know, people see a headline and they kind of freak out, but um, but yeah, all all reports are that he he will be playing this year, and nothing should should happen on his part, but um. But yeah, moving moving on, I guess to the wings. I know there's some overlap here, um, but Sam Thompson is is out. Um, you know, obviously the uh, one of the Big Ten's best dunkers, <laughs> one of the better defenders. Um, how do you see the wing group shaping out this year? Yeah, this uh, this this is also going to be interesting because there's there's fewer new faces in this group, but that doesn't mean that there aren't question marks. Um, Mark Loving is the, the, the sole upperclassman here, and he is I, I, going to need to play a really big role in this team. Um, I mean, you know, a former Ohio Miss, Mr. Basketball, and last season had a really great start to the year. Uh, I, I think was, he's able to show that he's able to do a reasonable athletic impression of Sam Thompson. Can't quite sky like he can, but almost nobody in college basketball could. And he was also showing to be one of the best three-point shooters in the entire Big Ten. You know, for like the first two-thirds of the season, he was shooting nearly 50% from downtown from the corners, absolutely automatic. They didn't get suspended for two games, two or three games, and when he comes back, was so bad that he fell out of the rotation. Um, right now, it, it seems that he's, he's assuming a, a leadership role within this team. He's, I, I believe, based on what we've been hearing out of practice, he's expected to start. Ohio State's going to need him to score, and they're, they're going to need him to score beyond just catching and shooting on the perimeter. They're going to need him to get to the basket. They're going to need him to defend. And if he is playing like he did the last third of the season, I don't see – I mean, that, that's, that really limits Ohio State's ceiling. From there, uh, you're all, they're also going to need a big season from, from the Gita Bates and Dion, a guy from, who's a, a sophomore and had a couple of moments last year, fell out of the rotation a little bit during Big Ten play, hit some big shots in the tournament. He also he has great size. He has some shooting potential. I, you you it's hard to stay on the on the floor for a Thad Mata team if you can't defend consistently, and that was kind of his problem. But I think another year in the system is going to make him more of a rotation player. He's definitely going to play 15, 20 minutes a night, and some and one of the few guys I think has the potential to like drop 16 points a night. Uh, it, you know if he's if he's able able to defend well enough. So he's going to be a big name. The other two. Maybe Ohio State's single best player, Deshaun Tate, is kind of this really – he's like a Charles Barkley type. He's only six foot four, but he plays, uh, you know, with a, like a power forward. You know, his, his back to the basket, down low. He's not really somebody who's shooting a bunch of threes or playing a perimeter-oriented game. And despite giving up three, four, five inches on people, he played really pretty well. He's an, he's an effective rebounder. He can kind of back his butt into people. 
he was, he was the guy that was showing and the, 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 getting the kind of these kind of energy plays that really endeared him to Ohio State fans. And he's going to – he's not only like a, a wing in the sense that he's kind of, you know, floating around, around the three-point line, but he's definitely, he's definitely going to be in the rotation. He might be Ohio State's best rebound. Um, the last guy that you might see is Mickey Mitchell, um, who is, you know, six seven and kind of a point-forward person. He, he really, in high school, he played, like, all five positions. He's uh, someone who can bring the ball up for Ohio State. Uh, the, the question with him is really his health. He's, he's, pretty, he's kind of old for a freshman. I think, I think he might be 19 uh, already, maybe close to 20. He, he's had some back surgeries. We're not exactly sure what we're going to get athleticism-wise, but if he's healthy, he can, he can defend four positions. Um, and I would imagine that they're going to kind of test him out at the beginning of the year when Ohio State's beating people at 40. And uh, if he's able to handle the physical grind, I would imagine that he's going to be kind of the, one of the freshmen that sneaks into this rotation and is able to do a couple of different things for Ohio State. Yeah, I agree. I, I think one of the um, – you talked uh, about him for a little bit, but uh, one of the the bigger underwhelming performances for me last year is I, I was really high on Keita Bates-Diop. And, you know, I thought he was going to come in and just excel, you know, creating his own shot, hitting from outside. And um, I, I wouldn't say he had a bad freshman year. I mean, a lot of players, you know, they transition in and pick up after that. But, um, yeah, yeah, he – He's definitely underwhelmed for what I thought he was going to do. Um, so it'll be interesting if he, you know, if he can develop into a, a quality starter there. Um, yeah, I mean well, that, that's been kind of one of the rubs again, like that Ohio State Ohio State fans have complained about Mata a little bit is that player development hasn't been um, what they wanted it to be, and that's going to that's going to be a huge part of of, uh, of this season because. If the guys who are playing as redshirt freshmen do not take big steps up, if they're kind of already are what they are, this team will be bad. Um, but I, there, there were there were definitely some some big moments I think with with Bates Diop near the uh, near the end of last season that that give some pause. Mostly mm-hmm. he just wasn't staying on the court. Like the he he wasn't getting double. He only got double digits of minutes within Big Ten play like four times. Uh, once, mm-hmm. once, once now that Thompson is is you know not blocking his minutes anymore. Now that they have to play him a little bit. I, I would expect him to be a little bit more efficient. Yeah, um, but yeah, with that, why don't we uh, why don't we move over to the front court? Um, I would say the uh, the area that's been a bit of a pain over the since uh, Sullinger has left. Um, uh, Trey McDonald, Amir <laughs> yeah. uh, Williams kind of held it down held down the fort last year. Uh, both are gone. Um, seemed to be a lot of frustration. Uh, how do you see it shaking out? And are Ohio State fans happy about new face in the front court? I guess the Ohio State fans, I think, are very happy. Um, I, I, you know, I, I feel kind of bad you know, saying this. Like part of what we did at Land Grant, I think, an, an almost annual feature um, until the second half of last year was like our Amir Williams is not as bad as you think. Um, somebody who, who actually was projected decently if you look at some of like the efficiency stats on defense. But it's because he came in as a as a McDonald's All American, you know, that was kind of a reach, and he never really got better. And people perceived his effort to be poor. Um, he was dogged more by fans, and quite frankly, a lot of beat writers more than than any Buckeye. I, you know, I think since BJ Mullins. Um, yeah, and so that that's been a little while, and and, and they're all, they're all gone. We kind of knew what they were. And now that there's 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 three new faces, and I think just by virtue of being new, that's going to endear themselves as Ohio State fans, even though I expect some of the struggles to continue. Um, 
crown jewel of this group, person who I think is going to start, but may not necessarily play the most minutes of the year, is Daniel Giddens, a uh, guy from Georgia, one of the highest regarded big men uh, of, of his class after Ohio State missed on a couple of guys the last cycle or two. Um, Giddens, his offensive game, by all indications, is still very much developing. Like I, I would not, I'm not expecting Giddens to pop out and get 12-foot jumpers. Uh, or, or, or you know, have a, a huge, just huge array of post moves, but he does have his hands are improving. Uh, but what's the, 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 the big catch about him is that he's a, a, already a good interior defender. And if Ohio State has somebody who can come in and disrupt shots and can kind of get in the face of some of these really strong big men that this conference has right now, and and, and rebound at a greater efficiency clip than, than Amir and McDonald did last year, that's a big plus for Ohio State. Flanking him, you've got Trevor Thompson, who's nearly seven foot. He's a, was a transfer from Virginia Tech. Sat out last year for uh, for for those rules. Somebody who is not projected to be as good of a defender as Giddens, but might have the most um, established offensive game of not just any of the big men right now, but probably any of the big men that Ohio State has had for a couple of years. Maybe Evan Ravenel could, could hit a twelve footer, um, but not a lot of other guys that have been in Ohio State's rotation recently have. Um, I would not be shocked if he ends up playing the most minutes, um, you know, over over the over the course of the season. But they're they're definitely both going to play a lot, and it'll depend on matchup, situation, everything. Uh, Dave Bell's the third guy. Uh, he was somebody that I think a lot of Ohio State fans were surprised he even got a scholarship offer. He wasn't really on a lot of Big Ten teams' radar. He seemed like he was going to be like a, a good get for a Mac team. Ohio State picks him up. Uh, he redshirts last year, and then every indication again out of camp was like, wow, he improved a lot. Got he got bigger, his skill for the game's gotten better. Um, I don't think that he's going to be playing very much unless it's a lot of, a lot of foul trouble. But I, the the expectations for Bell as somebody who can do more than just give fouls, I think have have raised a little bit. And if he's able to come in and just play four or five good minutes and 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 stay out of trouble and spell the other guys and and set screens and everything, I think that's a win. Yeah, it should be a. Uh... The front court's going to be very interesting. I know, um, and and I did want to ask one thing. One thing, kind of, you you talked about it a little bit, um, but you know, generally, I think the the general perspective, uh, we know basket college basketball, especially, keeps getting younger every year. I mean, it's no longer you know freshmen of today are not like the freshmen of twenty years ago. They're expected to come in and play. Um, but the front court seems like an area where age really does kind of make a difference unless you're, you know, um, I, I don't know, one of the five-star uh, Kentucky type, you know, players, uh, mega recruits. Um, how do you think the youth is going to play into Ohio State, uh, particularly up front this year? Well, I, I think there's a greater learning curve if you are a, a big man than uh, if, if you're a guard necessarily, especially since a, a lot of the, the, the prospects that come in have not been playing basketball as, as long or in high school because of their size. They're, they're used in a different way than they might in college. There's, there, there, there's, there's footwork changes. Your, your, the fun, your fundamentals change here. It, it, it takes a little bit longer to, to learn that position. Um, I think especially offensively. Um, you might be able to come in just by being really tall and athletic uh, and smart to, to be able to change the game with, with, with defense and everything. So, you know, I'm, I'm not expecting a – developed post-presence offensively for Ohio State this season. In terms of just youth in general, like Ohio State's schedule is hard. The, the, big, the Big Ten is, is really hard. You might be seventh or eighth in this league and still be a tournament-caliber team, 
and there's really only probably one team that's going to be hot garbage this entire season. Uh, and <laughs> even 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 Penn State is, is or Nebraska are going to be teams that are kind of feisty. So um, learning to defend the way that that mono teams want you to, learning to keep an, an, an even keel emotionally throughout the kind of slog that this season is, those are things that are difficult and, and that, that takes some time. And, you know, learning the offense, learning how to not play hero ball. And so that, that means that, like, there are going to be nights when Ohio State reminds you that, like, everybody is 18. And then it takes <laughs> some time for them to learn that, yes, you can lose by 12 to Northwestern and still have a productive season if you can pull yourselves up emotionally to handle that. So we're, I'm thinking that we're going to see a couple of nights or two where Ohio State loses to a team that is less talented because of poor execution or because of poor, uh, uh, you know, uh, team emotions. And then they're also probably going to beat at least one team that they have no business beating for that same reason. Uh, and I, I think if, if, the, if the team that we're seeing in late February, you know, early March is substantially better than the one that we see in December, doesn't necessarily mean a gaudy Big Ten finish, I would consider that a success. I think other Ohio State fans, too, because I think it's really next season when just when everybody from this team comes back and Thunderbird comes in and maybe Kobe Simmons, then you look at, like, that's when Ohio State's going to make a move again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and kind of moving back, uh, I guess, towards uh, um, the newcomers here, uh, I know it, you've talked about pretty much them all, I think, uh, for at least a little bit, um, but what what should fans expect out of this recruiting class, both this year, uh, next year? And if you want to take a second to just talk about the new additions, and I know there uh, there's also a transfer. I, I believe there's just one uh, this year for Ohio State. Yeah, yeah. Thompson Thompson's the transfer, the the big man that that, that came in here from uh, from Virginia Tech. Um, I you you you, look, you mean the good news is that I think every single one of the players that are coming in are they're very talented. They are people who should be able to to contribute to Ohio State basketball, uh, and all of them eventually should be quality rotation players. Um, I'm not sure if any of them other other than maybe Lyle uh, and and Giddens perhaps have the potential to be kind of transformational players for Ohio State, um, but. Uh, there's, there, 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 are, there are people that are coming in that are going to plug a lot of the roster holes here that Ohio State has seen. The question is going to be, where do the points come from? Ohio State the past couple of seasons has kind of, you know, not by design, but just hasn't sort of happened, had one dominant score and a bunch of people that kind of, like, missed three-pointers. And I don't think there's a guy on this team, maybe it's, if anybody's liable, but I don't know if it is, that can play hero ball. So there, Ohio State is going to have to share the basketball. They're going to have to find multiple people who can score 12 to 14 points because one guy is not going to be able to bail their ass out. Um, I, I'm, I'm, op- I'm pretty optimistic about the future of Ohio State basketball, um, I, and I like some of the guys that are coming in you know, even after this class, especially if they're able to get point guard uh, Kobe Simmons so they can have some depth at that position. Um, mm-hmm. I, I look at this as a, as a transformational year, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be bad. Just that, like, I don't think this is a team that's competing for the Big Ten championship. But the growing pains that we see here are going to be building to something, and that's going to be a lot more emotionally satisfying than watching last year and going, well, man, you know, I kind of know what Shannon Scott is at this point. And watching him struggle in January, I, I know it's not going to make things different in April, and that's what's frustrating. I don't think we're going to have that this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, you know, it seems like they're – there's kind of a split that like half the Big Ten teams you you kind of know what they're going to be and then in another half it there are there's a ton of talent it's just you know when it comes together how it works out um 
And and I agree. You know, I think I think next year this roster is going to be really loaded, especially if they can land uh, Simmons. Who for those who are who are wondering who we're talking about, uh, mega mega recruit. I mean, Kentucky's recruiting him like no other. So you kind of get an idea of <laughs> what type of prospect he is. Um, but uh, but yeah, there's a there's a lot of talent on this roster. It's going to be very young. Um, but this could be a well. We'll see if if you agree. Uh, do you think this could kind of be that core? The recruiting class where two, three years later, you look back and we're like, wow, this, this class really led to some great things. I, I think it has to. And, and mm-hmm. this, this is, this is, this is the, uh, the, 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 the danger that happens the way that Ohio State's recruiting is kind of set up where they're bringing in a really big class. And then you have two, you know, that ties up a lot of your scholarships. And then uh, you, you don't, you're only able to add one or two guys in the next couple of years until this one, you know, either kind of transfers out or, or graduates. So if you're going to do that, then you have to nail that class. Uh, <laughs> Ohio State has done that before, and one of the reasons that they struggled the last two, two and a half seasons is that they their big class gave them a couple of role players. And, like, you know, Sam Thompson and Shannon Scott are good college basketball players, but they were mm-hmm. they needed to be a little bit more. And then they whiffed with their front court recruiting, and they didn't have scholarships to, to rectify that. If this class, if there aren't two stars that come out of this class, if Dan Giddens, if his ceiling is slightly better, Amir, Amir Thompson, Amir Williams, and if the, you know, Austin Grandstaff's ceiling is like, you know, 10 minutes a night chucking threes, then then, then this team is, is really kind of hamstrung in their ability to to improve for the next three seasons. I, I think that we're looking at, at people who are going to be playing at Ohio State for at least three years, but at least two guys mm-hmm. from this group um, – Lyle may not stay three years, but everybody else probably will. And there should be at least two people here that become really, really good basketball players for Ohio State. Whether that happens this year or next year, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, well, I guess guess moving back to more of a a broader sense about this team, um, Ohio State's uh, schedule, it's very interesting this year. Um, It seems to be – at least from my perspective, a little more challenging than it has been in the in the last couple of years. Um, I know uh, you guys over at Land Grant do a lot of great work with Ohio State scheduling, uh, breaking news, uh, reporting on it. Um, how do you how do you see the schedule, uh, particularly the non-conference? I think most people kind of know what to expect out of Big Ten play, but uh, particularly in the non-conference for Ohio State this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we. Um... For those of you who are listening, uh, I broke the schedule <laughs> when, that, when it released. That's can't do a ton of breaking news when you're when you're when you live in D.C. like I do, uh, but we we we, uh, we make a place for this one. Um, mm-hmm. it, it it did surprise me a little bit in that this is a little bit harder than Ohio State typically does, um, and I expect next year's to also be really challenging. I, I know off the top of my head they're going to be playing a neutral site game with UCLA next season. They're hosting UConn. Mm-hmm. They're going to have a Gavit game. Uh, I think they're going to probably pick up a more big one. But here, you know, they're, they're, I think that they're going to play Virginia and Kentucky, and I think they're going to get crushed in both those games. Like Virginia <laughs> especially, like that has the potential for the Ohio State to score 30 points and, and lose by 16, but it feels like 40. And then they, there, there's two other ones here, and I really like they have to split them, and they, they might have to win them. We don't have to, but given that they're maybe close to 500 in Big Ten play, they really need to win both of them. Uh, and that is a November 27th neutral site matchup with Memphis. That's going to be played in Miami. And then December 12th, and they go to UConn. And both of those teams, I think, are going to be kind of tournament bubble-ish teams. Um, Ohio State might have more raw talent than Memphis. I, I'll have to look a little bit more at UConn's roster. 
those are both going to be really interesting. Um, Ohio State can't afford to lose both of them and head into Big Ten play without really a, a kind of RPI top 60 quality win. Uh, the other interesting one is uh, they're, also, they're also playing Louisiana Tech early in the season. And, and uh, I don't know if, if Ohio State's done the best job of gaining the RPI like they, like, like they can, but that's a team that even though they haven't been in the tournament, has played really well. I think they were like a, they were like a Ken Palm top 60 team last year. And I know they lost their coach and they lost one of their, their better players, but that's kind of like the mid-major team that is going to give Ohio State a game. And Ohio State hasn't lost to one of those teams in, in several years. Like maybe, maybe since the very beginning of the Thad Mon era. Um, oh, you know, when they got blown out by Butler before Butler was Butler. Um, but if there's, <laughs> if there's a, a, a paycheck game that could potentially beat Ohio State, uh, that that would be it. The, the, the other ones here, you know, VMI is interesting because VMI is going to try to score 200 points, and Ohio State will score 300. Um, but the 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 other thing that kind of sucks if you're an Ohio State fan is like is that the Buckeyes are playing some like horrible teams. The worst team in college basketball uh, will be Ohio State's second game. So there's a couple of, of on the high end, it's a little bit more interesting, but also uh, some of the the paycheck games are going to be even worse than they, than they normally are. Yeah, and and I'm interested to get your perspective. I'm a, I, I don't want to say a schedule makes a team because you know if you're a terrible team, you know you can have uh, the perfectly crafted schedule and it doesn't matter. But I am curious. Do you think Ohio State kind of? It seems like the last couple of years they've scheduled like very good teams, but it's been like two games and then they've scheduled kind of, for lack of a better word, garbage outside of that. Um, what do you think? First off, is that true? And second, um, do you think that kind of is that the case this year? I guess I'm asking. Yeah. So Ohio State's general philosophy under Thad Mata is has been to play between three and four big name teams. One of them is going to be your ACC Big Ten uh, game. They're usually they, they try to schedule at least one major Power Six caliber team on a neutral site, uh, and they might get somebody else in a home and home. Uh, and and and, and uh, sometimes you know you schedule those a year or two in advance, they don't work out. And then they they had like Notre Dame as like their their flagship game a year when the Irish like completely fell apart. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 from there, you know, you want to get an in-state team or so, and then um, yeah, then they usually do kind of fill things out with garbage. <laughs> and and sometimes <laughs> they're filled out with garbage that uh, advantageous to your RPI, uh, and sometimes it's garbage because they'll come to Columbus and you end up playing uh, Granville. Um, I don't have a huge problem with not playing, you know, eight big you know, gigantic teams, especially now when, you know, there's like two people on Ohio State's basketball team that are old enough to drink. Uh, because you're going to play so many other teams in the Big Ten where mm-hmm. you might have only one game from the uh, middle of, De- like the end of December through the rest of your season. You might only have one or two games from a team that's outside the RPI top 100. So I don't really buy the argument. Like, oh, you know, they're, they're not challenged enough to Big Ten player. You're going to be challenged in the last three and a half months of the year. All, all that I really care about is that you're getting at least one good home game for people who are season ticket holders and that you're putting yourself in a position where you don't need to win 12 Big Ten games to make the tournament or get above, like, a seven seed. And, I, you know, there's it's always a little bit of a crapshoot because it's hard to predict which low major team is going to win 18 games and which one's not. But here, I... I don't have any complaints with it other than I wish they weren't playing uh, two teams that were in, like, RPI bottom 300. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, – it definitely – at least at least on paper, it looks it looks more challenging. I know uh, 
Um, you know, just to illustrate your point a little more, I know last year, I think Ohio State played Marquette early on. And, yep. um, and you know, coming into the year, most people thought Marquette was going to be a uh, NCAA tournament team, pretty quality opponent, and they just weren't. Um, so, yeah, just to illustrate kind of, you know, you schedule a team, and you think they're good, and, you know, they're not, you know, <laughs> to no fault of yeah. your own. Um, it's, it's, it's not like football where you're scheduling teams <laughs> eight years in advance. But for these home-and-home <laughs> home agreements, like that, that might still be done more than a year, and then you, you, really, you really can't adjust it. So you, you can kind of hedge for things with your RPI. You, you can try to play with, uh, with your schedule, but, but it also depends on budgets. It depends on, on who can come in on what dates, and, uh, and it's one of those things you can't control. Um, I, I, I suspect Memphis might have been a little bit of a better team when they started those conversations. Uh, than maybe where they project right now with some of, with some of their roster turnover too. So that's 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 the game. The good news is even if they if they all kind of underachieve a little bit, uh, Ohio State's still going to play Maryland. They're still going to play Indiana. They're still going to play Michigan and Michigan State and Purdue and Wisconsin. There's not going to be a lack of of good basketball teams that will be on Ohio State's slate. Oh yeah, and uh, you know not to get not to get too off track here, but you know I've been working through my previews and uh, I haven't got to Ohio State's schedule preview yet, but um. A lot of these lower teams, it's like 15 of 18 games are against like teams that made the NCAA tournament. And when I say 18, the Big Ten games uh, are against teams that made the NCAA tournament last year, are in the top 25 this year, or are uh, um, on the road. So it's just like, my gosh, like <laughs> it's going to be a buzzsaw uh, in Big Ten play. Um, I assume Ohio State is pretty similar, but uh, definitely something uh, to keep in mind, you know, when you're the non-conference might not be that interesting if you have so much waiting there for you. Um, yeah. But yeah, they're, they're, they're yeah. Like, it's, a, it's a cliche. There's, there's just, there's, there's just not very, there's not bad teams in, in this, in this conference other than Rutgers, um, <laughs> you know, Penn, Penn state and Nebraska may not be great, um, but they can beat you. I mean, Penn state's beat Ohio State twice, I think in the, in the past two seasons. Um, mm -hmm. And now Penn state's recruiting really well. They're, everyone's got a good coach. So, it's a, it's, it's a flock. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I mean, uh, a lot of people, they're going to write off a team like Nebraska until you look, wow, they have, I, I think they have like four or five, four star type prospects on their team. You know, some of them are transfers kind of unusual circumstances, but you know, that might be a team that finishes near the bottom of the conference. And you're talking about that. So it's uh it's going to be a battle this year. Um, but but jumping back to Ohio State here real quick, uh, just a, a couple more questions before we uh, jump into our final pre uh, predictions here. Um, one of the, one of the things Stad Mata has kind of gotten uh, again, sort of a narrative, is that he doesn't like to go to the bench very often, or at least that's the the theory. Um, do you think that's going to be the case this year, or will he be forced to go to the bench because of the youth? and the inexperience. That happened a little bit last season where they, they played a, a, a longer rotation than, uh, than they typically do. And, and, and that was, that was part of it because the, the team was so young and they didn't have the luxury of having lead starters. Uh, if you can get away with it, Mata would play a seven man rotation and, and, and just leave the starters in there most of the game. And, and, you know, that might frustrate some of us, but, it, it, it has been successful, and, and right now I don't think that they're going to have the team to do that. Um, you're, I, I would I would look for is a ten man rotation in the beginning of the, of the year when they're playing some of these bad teams, and then that's going to get tightened up 
And uh, I would, I, I'm guessing that Austin Grandstaff falls out of that rotation. Dave Bell falls out of that rotation. Mickey Mitchell might fall out of that rotation. Uh, and then you're looking at, you're looking at seven, eight guys. Uh, you know, switching things up a little bit depending on matchups or, or who's kind of hot from from downtown, and that and that's what they'll be. That's what they will likely be doing. Anything anything bigger than that uh, would make me think that that's a sign that there's a problem with the starters, and that they're just kind of you know throwing things out there and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see because I I know um you know I read an article a couple years ago where. I think generally the public kind of looks down on the fact that you, you know, you play a short bench, but the, uh, the statistical evidence was pretty compelling that that's actually effective for, for your team. Cause you're putting the best players out there for longer. Um, but yeah, if, just, if, uh, if people are, yeah, if people are healthy, you know, you can get away mm-hmm. with it. The, the college basketball is not like the San Antonio Spurs. You're not rolling out 37 year olds, uh, with, with, with creaky knees and, it's, I mean, I, I guess there's not really a reason to, to play Jaquan Lyle 38 minutes when you're playing against South Carolina State Tech Institute. But, you know, you, you do what you have to do to put your in a position to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, and, and uh, you know, this year there's a, lot of, there's a lot of unknowns, so maybe this question isn't as good for Ohio State. But um, uh, what do you think is going to be the most surprising thing about this team or – you know, unexpected or um, at least something I guess the national media doesn't think is going to happen uh, for the Buckeyes this year? Um, I think Ohio State is going to beat uh, a top 10 team this year. They're, they're going to get a couple of opportunities. They're, they're going to get Virginia and Kentucky uh, who are going to be in there. Virginia is going to be at home. They're, they're, they're getting Maryland, I think, twice. They're going to get Indiana. Um, I think they're going to beat one of those teams. And I, I think mm-hmm. I, I imagine it's going to happen at a point when people are a little bit more down on Ohio State. It might be a game or two after a particularly dispiriting performance, uh, but eventually, someone's some, so they're going to get they're going to get hot from downtown, and uh, and Giddens is going to kind of kind of grow up a little bit, and they're going to beat somebody that they shouldn't. And then that one big arc thing is going to help forgive some of their sins by losing to some of these kind of like seven to eleven range in the conference, and that's going to be enough to get them into the tournament. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll be uh, that would definitely be big, <laughs> especially if they could knock off a team like Virginia that that looks like a legitimate Final Four contender. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I, I guess why don't we why don't we jump into the uh, the meat of the podcast here? I guess or uh, everybody's favorite part. Um, season predictions. Uh, how do you see things shaking out for Ohio State? Uh, where do you see them fitting in the Big Ten? Um, I think you kind of hinted at what postseason tournament you think they're going to make. Um, but, uh, yeah, what, what do you expect from Ohio State this year? Uh, I expect a, a team that will have growing pains, talk about this a little bit here, one that will improve at, throughout the end of the season. Um, I've, I've seen OSU projected anywhere from, like, sixth to ninth. Uh, I, I, think, I think they're going to finish seventh, you know, behind Maryland, behind Indiana, behind the Michigan schools, uh, behind Purdue. And probably behind Wisconsin, but I think I think they'll finish out ahead of Iowa, and I think they'll. So I'm pretty I'm pretty down on Illinois. I think they'll, they'll beat them, and that that will be enough to get them as one of like the last six or seven teams in the tournament, like maybe around a ten seed, you know, kind of bubbling around with the uh, the the first four. Uh, and then they'll probably lose in the first weekend. Um, but even if they don't make the NCAA tournament, even if they're a, a high seed NIT team, if this team is is 
improved in March compared to where they were in January. Uh, and Ohio State sees some de some some developments in the scoring potential of their wings. I would consider this season a success. It's it's a strange thing because I know a lot of fans are hungry for some bigger picture success after OSU's been kind of irrelevant for the last two seasons. But the struggles this year are going to be building to something. If if if, if this team does not improve, then there's some very difficult questions that are going to have to get answered by this Ohio State staff, and that might mean making a change from an assistant coach. Um, yeah, I'm, I think I'm generally kind of on a similar, uh, similar wavelength for, uh, Ohio State in the Big Ten. Um, uh, I had them around eighth. Uh, I, I'm not sure if you had, I have Iowa over them. I'm, I'm sure that's probably the, the one difference. Um, yeah, Michigan State, Maryland, Michigan, uh, Purdue, Wisconsin. I kind of expect those teams to finish ahead of Ohio State. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be a dangerous team. There's a lot of talent. Um, I do. I can't. I mean, I I just picture them right on the bubble. Um, so it, it's just so tough to say whether they're going to get in or not, not knowing you know who who they beat, who they don't beat. Um, I as of now, I'll I think they'll get in, but it, it's just um, at least for me how I kind of see the Big Ten shaking out. It's just so hard to imagine, at least from my projections of eight Big Ten teams going to the tournament. That would just be unreal. Um, but, uh, I think, I think that, I think that'll happen too. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be, um, yeah, that would be, that would be incredible if, if they could send, uh, that many teams. Um, but yeah, I, I think they're going to be on uh, right on the bubble. Um, it's just going to be, you know, as you were talking about, you know, with Virginia, Kentucky, uh, two, I think, uh, two games with Maryland, um, you know, if they can knock off some of those top teams and, um, I guess, you know, for lack of a the better term, the typical, you know, take care of business against, you know, Rutgers and Penn State and Nebraska, those type of teams. Uh, there's going to be a, a lot of dangerous games. But, you know, if Ohio State can do that, I, I definitely think they can make the tournament. Yeah, I think I think the I think it's a reasonable goal. Um, and, and this is a roster that can probably handle an injury or two better than some other ones here in the Big Ten. Um, just because you know, because there's so many young bodies and they're not depending mm -hmm. on any one guy other than Dave Lyle to really kind of carry the offensive load. Um, it, it should be interesting. I mean, I, I look at this conference. I think that there are at least ten teams that can like be thinking we can make the tournament this year. Um, mm -hmm. Probably won't get all ten of them in just because they're going to lose to each other and it would require some mm -hmm. superlative performances in the non-con. Or like Northwestern, where they're kind of screwed to begin with because they're they're playing some <laughs> YNCA teams. But like, yeah, it's it's it, it'll 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 uh, it'll be a war. And if Ohio State doesn't shoot themselves in the foot, they're going to be in a position to to be in that conversation. Yeah, yeah, and I and I think that's a big thing. You know, we talked about the non-conference schedule. You know, if they can beat Memphis, if they can beat UConn and avoid the upsets, um, that could set them up really well going into Big Ten play. Um, but yeah, yeah, Matt. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, we appreciate uh, all your insight on Ohio State. Um, any final thoughts on Ohio State, the Big Ten, uh, college basketball in general? I guess before you before you head out. Yeah, I'm, I mean, my 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 only other thought here for any other, uh, I guess, OSU people who may be listening is uh, I, I I kind of have written this column the last the last two years, but <laughs> I just wrote this for Land Grant. Um, you, you you should watch this team. Uh, it, it's worth getting emotionally invested in. 
it's it's worth paying attention to, even with Ohio State's football team doing so well right now, and even with kind of November, early December basketball being what it is. Um, so it's a blank slate, and these are the guys that you're going to be seeing here for the next couple of years. Uh, it's worth watching them grow and, and develop and, and do some do some potentially interesting things. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess one final prediction before you go. Uh, what do you see happening on the on the football field on Saturday night with Ohio State and Penn State? Uh, I feel like <laughs> 17 and a half points is too much. Um, I actually hate Penn State more than I hate Michigan. Um, I, I hope oh, Ohio State well. just blows the door just blows the doors <laughs> off of it, but it won't happen. I like the Buckeyes by 13, um, and I don't really see how Penn State scores enough points to beat the Buckeyes. All right. Well, we'll see. You know, as uh, I'm not sure pe- too many people, they might be listening next week. So uh, we'll see if they can uh, take that one to the bank, I guess. <laughs> but, All right. Uh, Matt, I uh, again, thanks, thanks for chatting with me. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> yep. That was, uh, again, that was Matt Brown from uh, Land Grant Holy, Grant, uh, Holy Land, um, SB Nation's Ohio State site. A lot of great coverage. Um both on football, uh, basketball, and they've really expanded their coverage into Ohio State's other uh, other non-revenue sports, uh, whatever the term you want to look for, you know, some of the, the smaller sports. Um, so definitely check them out. It's going to be a uh, – it'll be a fun season for Ohio State. Uh, I'm not sure it'll, it'll be the most successful, especially considering the high-level success they've seen over the last couple of years. Um, but – it definitely should be a, a path to growth, and it, and it could be one of those things where this this is the start of a special run. You know, if this recruiting class is what the experts say uh, it's going to be. But again, thanks for joining us. I'm Thomas Bendit. You can follow me on Twitter at t b e i n d i t. Uh, check out all of our coverage at BT Powerhouse. The previews begin next week, um, so definitely uh, check us out. And thanks for uh, listening to our podcast.